This week on Waxing the Porpoise, time is on our side as G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve welcome special guest Hydraberg from A Cut Above Horror Review to discuss the decisively demonic yet surreptitiously spiritual Denzel vehicle from 1998, Fallen. Join us as we discuss shitty slow-mo predator vision, wax nostalgic over Outback Steakhouse and their elusive bloomin' onion sauce, and treat ourselves to a Denzel devotional for the ages. I wish you had more time. Let's wax this procedural porpoise. Chase, don't do that. See, we, we're working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. All right, I'm just going to go right into it. Uh, <clears throat> lion face. Ah, lemon face. Mm. Um, <laughs> all right, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, tonight we are here to discuss episode 34 now, which is Fallen. Uh, a, a Denzel joint um, from 1998. Uh, this one came uh, recommended, and it's one you you had not seen before, Steve. Correct. Okay, I just I wasn't sure. I wanted to get that out of the way, but um, so tonight uh, uh, we have a special guest uh, joining us. But first, we'll get to uh, our myself, uh, Jim G, baby. And as always, we have our co-host, the usual suspect, Steve. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're a dumbass. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good. I I thought it would be funny if I accidentally watched. There's a 2016 movie called Fallen about a young girl who finds herself in a reform school after therapy since she was blamed for the death of a young boy at the school. She finds herself drawn to a fellow student, unaware that he is an angel and has left her for thousands of years. Um, maybe maybe we'll watch that in the future. <laughs> Although that's funny that it's also dealing with like, an, there's like an angel <laughs> through line. It looks so uh, bad. <laughs> yeah. That sounds horrible. Um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't watch that. Although that could have that could have taken a, a strange direction too. Who knows? Um, cool. All right, and then tonight also we have uh, a special guest, uh, one that's that's long overdue. Um, tonight joining us we have Hydraberg. Hey, Hydra. Oh, thank you. What? I get my own bump. <laughs> yeah, what? What was I'm, that? That's I'm from uh, Endgame. Avengers Endgame. It's oh. Hail Hydra is the moniker that they use for Hydra. That's how they, it's like seek hail almost. It, they're supposed to be like oh, almost okay. like Nazi, which I am <laughs> yeah. not affiliated with, by the way. Sure. <laughs> Just to be clear, uh, I didn't watch a movie. I I thought we were reviewing Fallen by Alicia Keys, the song. I just listened to that on loop. <laughs> so I'm a little confused. You just listen to that for two hours. <laughs> yeah, I just keep on falling in love. <laughs> In and out, <laughs> in and out of love. Dude, that that is a bang. No, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, uh, hi, just real quick too. Hydra comes to us by way of well, I know him from uh, we're fellow fans of the Straight Chilling community. I palled around with him on on their Slack for 
many years now, like five or six years now. And then uh, he also has his own podcast, which I've also been fortunate enough to uh, guest host on a couple episodes as well. Uh, a Cut Above Horror Review with fellow friends of the show, uh, Jacqueline and John. So they do, as the name implies, uh, strictly horror uh, reviews. And they're, what are you guys at? Like 72, 73 episodes? Now? we're going to be recording tomorrow. I mean, no, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Monday. Word. Nice. We're going to be doing Blood Rage. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Word. Yeah, they they have a great show. Check them out. Um, they they were gracious enough to to have me on a couple times, and what kind of really kickstarted me into starting this thing and uh, giving me the uh, the spark to to do my own thing. So, um, yeah, they do a great job. Check them out. They're anywhere you get your podcast. Sorry, I'm stepping all over your your promo. Do you you have anything else you want to say? <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, we're uh, we're a horror podcast. We we. Review all things horror. Uh, at the moment, it's mo- just movies. But, um, you know, each week we pick a different film. We take turns and we rate and review it. We have guests on. We had you on uh, for, uh, I believe, one of Steve's favorite films, uh, It Follows. I believe. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> what was the what was the general consensus? Because I couldn't bring myself to listen to the episode. Oh, we all just loved it. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. It's actually how I got into Straight Chillin', so... I, I yeah, understand. A- I understand people's critiques of the movie. I, I trust me. I've butted heads with people before on why they don't like it, but for me, it's I don't know. It's a darling. Yeah, I, I mean, I have my problems with it too, for sure. Yeah, it's especially sure. like pretty much the whole third act. Yeah, but there's something about it. It's like one of those films for me where like the overriding vibe and just everything wrapped up together makes me see past that. Like, yeah. It's just one of those, you know, just like we all have our guilty vices, but I definitely don't think that it gets like, it's weird because it get, it has like critical acclaim, but then it seems pretty divisive on like a, like an audience, like a uh, level. Yeah. Which... It's a lot like Street Fighter the movie, right, Steve? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Once again, I'm not one to take any, any position of like movie knowledge superiority. So I can't really... I can't really harshly judge anybody's opinion of anything, really. So, but yeah, Street Fighter is a great movie. <laughs> Final answer. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, we're glad to have Hydra on, and uh, thank you very much for making the time. I know I'm running a little bit behind this evening, so um, I guess to I, we're coming right off the heels of Thanksgiving. Just wanted you guys had a good Thanksgiving. I trust. Yep. Mine was fine. I won't bore you. Sweet. Same answer. Yeah. Here. Same. Mine was pretty ho hum this year. Not in a bad way, but uh, I could have done better on the bird, probably. But how'd you cook I it? I did make some wine. Just in the oven. Okay. Uh, I did make some wine gravy, though. That How'd was that my grandpa's old recipe. Pretty, pretty damn good. I was, I was. Nothing special, just a little bit of wine and beef stock, a little flour, thicken it up a little bit. If Steve knows I'm an Outback fan, but uh, fellow purveyors of Outback Steakhouse may have had the good fortune uh, to get the Cabernet sauce, their house Cabernet sauce that they make with uh, red wine, like dark red wine. It's fucking delicious. It's like a savory, like beef base. Uh, wine obviously wine i don't know it's just got a little bit more bite than like regular ass gravy so 
I've never, I don't know if I've ever had their gravy. And I'm, I'm a fan of Outback. Dude. Throw another shrimp on the bobby, eh? <laughs> no rules just right, man. There's nothing um, wrong with a nice bowloom and onion to, to, wreck, to wreck your evening. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it always sounds so good. And then yeah. you get to the end of the meal, it's like, fuck, dude, that blooming onion's going to do me in. It's that sauce is what gets me. Yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. keeps yeah. you reaching, you know? It's so like, good. <laughs> and so they never good. give you enough of it either. They give you that little ass cup and yeah. this whole huge fucking onion. You're like, dude, dude come on. I've been I've been having a mind to try my hand at it at home. There's Making a couple, it? yeah. There's a couple of copycats on there, but yeah, it's basically my, like an onion ring sauce, sort of. That you get my it. track record with like copycat recipes is has not been very solid. Um, no, you're a pioneer. I mean, you make the tornado or whatever it was. Uh, what was it, Torito? Torito. I I just shared. I don't know if I shared that with you, Steve. I just did a. Uh, I talked last episode about the fucking uh, Alfredo burrito. Yeah, the Alfredo burrito, chicken Alfredo burrito. So, oh God, what, what now? Coming off of that, leftovers of Thanksgiving. I did. Okay. Um, I did two tortillas. I did a base of mashed potatoes. Uh, okay. Green bean, cas- <laughs> green bean casserole. Get the greens crunch. in there. Dark meat turkey only. Uh. Some pan drippings. Uh, a <laughs> little bit of that wine gravy I talked about and some more of that, that black Yucateco that I'm just like fucking putting on yeah. everything right now. That smoky okay. habanero. Uh, yeah, dude, delicious. And yeah, you put it awesome. in what? The, the best delivery service, uh, um, it's, delivery device you said, for food? <laughs> the best food delivery system. No, yeah. when you, when you burrito. wrap it. When you say two tortillas, did you do the thing where you put them side by side to make like an extra long burrito, or are we just going two thick, regular circumference? No, I just meant I had two of them. I did single flour. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. I, I took it like you, Steve, but he was making like the supreme burrito. Oh, yeah. No. That's that's an advanced maneuver. Maybe uh, maybe next time. It's like taking I two should... rolling papers and licking them yeah, and sticking exactly. them together and rolling yeah. them on the <laughs> I get up to making like a fucking windmill burrito. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I always do like, I, what I've been doing is putting like, uh, like the lazy, like steam for a tortilla is like, you put a a damp, uh, paper towel in between the two tortillas, throw it in the mic, like just nuke it for like 15 seconds. You get a little bit of steamy. So they don't crack. Yeah. Yeah. You get good rappage. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, I was pretty proud of that too. It was bomb. It was delicious. Yeah. So sounds good. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue putting non Mexican foods inside flour tortillas and just seeing what wins out. Just a big so. old slice of lasagna is next. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'd be down. That sounds great. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, we're here to discuss uh, Fallen. Uh, another can Denzel. I, can I interject something real quick before yes. we get before we get going here? I wrote down a word and or phrase that I think Gwenza is not going to be able to get through this episode without saying, and I've done this a few times and I'm O for every time, but I think, (laughs) I think this time is going to be the winner. And since we have a guest, I thought it'd be cool to share it with him as well. So he can keep an ear open for it. So, uh, Jim, if you could avert your eyes for a moment, I'll show it to him. Oh, you wrote it down. I wrote it down. Yeah. 
All right, now can you read this word uh, or okay, phrase? Okay, okay. All right. okay. yeah. Let yeah, the viewers will, know that Hydroberg has seen said. Word. I will. I will or bet my phrase. ass that Jim <laughs> that Jim cannot resist saying this. And if 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 he manages, um, well then I'm the Jim, asshole. You're good. You don't have to keep closing your eyes. Yeah, I'm done. And, okay. And maybe maybe I'll even share a, a funny story about a time that I was very embarrassed that came to me that I remembered recently just for fun for being an <laughs> asshole. So, okay. With that being said, let's, <clears throat> let's get right into it. Cool. I'm curious now. Um, all right. So yeah. Uh, fallen from 1998. Uh, this is uh, a Denzel Washington film uh, who we're all big fans of. Um, so this one I had seen when I was a lot younger probably pretty close to after it came out on VHS. Um, I didn't feel it like one way or another about it uh, at the time, but as I've gotten older, I've revisited it a handful of times over the years. And uh, this is one I like a lot. It's definitely, uh, it scratches like the uh, kind of procedural with a, like a supernatural bent into yeah. it that, that I dig. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a fan of this movie, uh, just in general. It's not going to blow your fucking socks off or anything, but um, I think anything <laughs> Denzel's in, he, he gives a, a super strong performance, uh, and that usually carries the film. Um, and you got John Goodman in it, for good measure. I liked. I think he, oh, was, yeah. he wasn't overplayed, and I guess you could argue underplayed slightly, but I, I like how they utilized him. Okay, Actually, but um, go ahead. No, I actually think I think a lot of the actors are underplayed a little bit in this film. Like going back, like I I do like this film, but having watched it again with a critical eye, I noticed that like I don't know, like Donald Sutherland's in it. He's a phenomenal actor. He's just not that great in this though. Like no, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I maybe it's the writing. Later, I like, thought James Gandolfini shines pretty well. as just like anytime he's on screen, I kind of like seeing his character. Yeah, he's decent. I'm not super high on Gandolfini in this. I'm not a big Gandolfini fan in general, so that probably colors that. But, I mean, he's serviceable. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Donald Sutherland definitely stuck out. I was like, I don't know if it's his accent. He's, like, trying yeah. for a Philly accent, kind of, and it's not coming through. But I think probably the culprit, because he's so good in a lot of other stuff, I think the culprit probably is the writing. and just like I think it is. It wasn't. It, you know, it's not, he's not the star he plays like, and he's not even the chief. He's like the Lieutenant. So well, I didn't kind of, I didn't believe his lack of belief in Denzel. Like his character is like super skeptical of him pretty much from the beginning. It's like, I don't think, mm -hmm. I don't think he would be, he would probably know his guy and be like, there's no fucking way this is going on. And yeah, Denzel's been I, there what, like 12 years. Yeah, I, I also didn't really care for his performance in this. Uh, trivia, Donald Sutherland, dead or alive? Jim, go. Wait, dead or alive? Is Oh, is he dead or alive? He's yeah. dead. Yeah. yeah. He passed away a few years ago. Did I spoil it? Are we oh, I didn't, uh, yeah, I'm going to go game? with dead also. Or he's a pod person, I don't know. He's very much still alive at the, uh, what? the young age of... 80,000 or 80. Oh, he said he just probably looks like the Crypt Keeper by now. Yeah. 
Because I remember he had a cameo in Beer Fest, and that was like you, 2008, and he was you, looking rough. You even remembered him dying, and he's still alive. <laughs> That's how good of an actor he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I oh, thought yeah, he, was, he died 2017. I thought he was dead yeah. for sure. Even yeah. Denzel, I thought, was a little like lacking in a sense. Like, I like Denzel, and this is early Denzel, so I feel like I like him now that he's gotten older. Like, he's gotten more grizzled as an older guy, and there's more wisdom like behind when he delivers a line. It's just more like matter of fact. I feel like whereas, and he as a younger actor, it seems like he was a little bit still unsure of himself a little bit. Like, he was still a good actor, and but I think it's part of the writing too on this. The writing's a little. I don't know. I mean, I like the I like this movie, but I definitely feel like the writing is off a little bit. Or maybe yeah. it's the directing, like the I don't know the way they're told to give their lines. Yeah, I don't know. I I slightly disagree. I would say on Denzel, but I will at the same time agree that he, similar to Donald Sutherland, I don't think he was given enough. Yeah, you know, like in the writing, like he he didn't give. He wasn't given enough material to shine, but I mean, I I was fine with his performance. I think that's just yeah, just a part of the story of of the film. Yeah, because like before this, the- he was in like fucking what was it, Glory? He was, yeah. and, uh I think even uh, Remember the Titans came out just before. Was this, this before he got game? I think this is right around that time. I think it was because. Yeah, that was like 99. I think this he followed this up with He Got Game. I forgot how old this movie really is, too. Like, I was like, when we... I for, for some reason, I thought it was like early 2000s. And then I was like, oh, shit, this was 98. Like, you're right. Like, when you mentioned watching it on VHS, I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Like, I was probably watching it on VHS when I first saw it, too. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, renting this from uh, Blockbuster, for sure. Yeah, what VHS. a difference. <laughs> Actually, too, yeah, Remember the Titans was after this. That was like 2001 or 2000. But anyway, he went on kind of like a hit parade from like 96 to like 2005. Not not all hits, but you had like Man on Fire, John Q. Man, I like Man on Fire. Man on Fire is dope. Yeah. I wish Cur- you had cur- more time. Courage, un- <laughs> courage Under Fire. Jim's a big Courage Under Fire guy. Courage Under Fire is a good flick. I've never seen it. Or Man on Fire, or He Got Game, or Remember the Titans, or... <laughs> oh, God. I'm about to have a, like, an aneurysm. Oh, yeah, I want to see the many stages of Jim's face when he finds out that he doesn't know certain film. Yeah, the, that the, one the, just kind of the, knocked uh, the wind in, out of me. Jim, I got the, one for you. I've never seen Remember the Titans. What? Very forgettable. Dude. Very forgettable. I'm just not the biggest sports <laughs> well, movie guy. Like, you just I get said it. you it, never... S- didn't you just say you'd never seen Remember the Titans? Or yeah, I think seen it? no, I haven't seen. It. I think it was from an old SNL thing where they were making fun of him. And I've seen like, scenes of it. They're like, "Remember the Titans," and they're like, "Very forgettable, very forgettable." <laughs> no, yeah. it's excellent, dude. It's it's a great film. Him and uh, Will Patton is fucking top notch in that film as well. Um, I've seen Rudy. I don't need to see Remember the Titans. You know what I'm saying? I like Rudy a lot. I'm a big Notre Dame guy, so I I love Rudy, but I feel like I feel like Remember the Titans edges it out. So for whatever that's worth. Um, interesting, um, interesting football movie connection to this movie. The kid who plays Sam, the young kid, the nephew, yeah. later later goes on to play a part in 
that movie Gridiron Gang with The Rock, which I actually like uh, that movie. I have not seen that yet yeah. still. I think it's good. I was okay. I was surprised. I don't remember why I watched it, but it was like incidental and uh by the end of it I was I was into it. It's pretty good. I think I discounted that cuz fucking Exhibit was in it and I was like mm, I don't yeah. I don't know if I want to go down that. X is going to give it to you and he gave it to him. <laughs> dude that's funny that you've seen that movie and you you liked it it's it reminds me like uh because i know you're not a big football guy steve uh so you wouldn't go out of your way to watch like seminal football films but uh my wife actually is the same way she hates football hasn't seen any other movies she has seen varsity blues but one of her favorite movies and she won't admit it but it's one of her favorite fucking movies is um the longest yard the remake with adam sandler and fucking terry cruz and all those fuckers it's such a weird i wouldn't even consider that a football movie though it's kind of just like a sandler yeah it's pretty heavy on football action though like yeah i mean i'd say that that I'd say there's a, the same amount of like football going on as like varsity blues. So what about the water boy? The, is the water boy a football movie? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I would say. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Where quality yeah. Like happy Gilmore is, is essentially a golf movie too, but can be enjoyed by non golf <laughs> fans. That's true. At the end of the day, they're all Adam Sandler movies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's the overriding factor, is that like they're just Sandler vehicles? Yeah. Does Exhibit not- pimp anybody's ride in uh, Gridiron Gang? I'm just curious. <laughs> he doesn't, but you know what? He pimps their attitude. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so he put the TVs yeah. on them or something? Because these kids come from the street and, you know, they need oh. to le- learn to work as a team. And, you know, lessons are learned, learned and uh, character is built. So I feel it. <laughs> As any inspirational movie. sports movie will do. That's what. That's what yeah. I, <laughs> I need to watch it now, uh, Gridiron, Gridiron Gang, because I was part of. I don't know if it was an official bet, <clears throat> but it was. I think it was agreed upon. If I watch that, then you would watch North Dallas Forty because you brought up North Dallas Forty. Have you Maybe. seen that one, Nick or Hydra? No, is that a porno or something? No, North Dallas 40s. It's it's like it's basically like Varsity Blues in the 70s starring Nick Nolte. He plays like a oh, wide receiver. A crossover between Peter North and uh, Dallas from Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in the wrong <laughs> section of Blockbuster. <laughs> the, the red the curtain. curtain yeah, the red curtain <laughs> with the tassels on it. <laughs> Is that the God, one about man. the guy who has AIDS? Oh no, that's Dallas Buyers Club. Never mind. Yes, dude. How can you let yourself fucking get that frail, dude? McConaughey looked like a I, fucking skeleton, dude. Haven't seen actor, it. Man. Yeah. I haven't seen that flick either, but I saw how fucking frail he got for it. Like similar, like to like the level that Christian Bale did for The Machinist. Machinist? Like yeah. fucking like. Have you, have you, I know you probably haven't seen The Machinist with Christian Bale, but have you ever seen like the body transformation that he went Yeah, I've seen, I've seen the, the side-by-side picture of him and The Machinist versus him and whatever the one where he played Dick Cheney, where he gets fat as shit. Yeah. He needs some milk. (laughs) He, I remember a a quote, like they were like, how'd you lose all the weight? He's like, uh, what he he said? He had like a, like an apple a day. 
Yeah, he had a Granny Smith apple and cigarettes. Nice. And, and then like and right after that role, he nailed Batman. The yeah, and he, he bulked up to like up fucking two thirty and shit. Yeah. I remember. I can't remember if it's him or if it was Russell Crowe that got like slim and fat for something. I it, I think it's Bale talking. I think about. Russell Crowe's just fat. I don't think. He... <laughs> yeah. I I confuse them because I I I think it's the accent, but uh, no, I think it is for the Cheney one. He said they were like, "How'd you?" add all that weight so quickly and he said he took like ben and jerry's and he would fucking throw them in the microwave for like a minute and he fucking just drink them and he drank like five a night it's like damn they don't do it i mean they're like 1400 to 2000 calories each one so yeah (laughs) he goes through his process of so i took my thanksgiving leftovers right and i got some tortillas (laughs) (laughs) i put them together right (laughs) put some Put some drippings in there, and (laughs) dude, honestly, this Thanksgiving I played it like really like tight. Like I did not fucking overeat at all. I think the past couple of Thanksgivings, like, had a regular plate. I didn't even have dessert the first night. Although the second night I got into some apple pie, but put a little bit of cheese on top, a la mode. What? You put cheese on there. Apple, Apple pie? pie, take a slice of sharp cheddar, nuke it for like 15 seconds, scoop a vanilla ice cream. Dude. Is that a Midwest thing? Are you I, pregnant, I Jim? I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing, but I saw I think, it. In, I think it might be. Can I guess everything's, what you Where? You, did you already start to say it? No or no? Go, go. What do you think? Thank you for smoking. No, it is from a movie though. Yeah, life is a movie. I got uh, I I saw Men in Black three, and there's a scene where uh, young K goes into a diner, Josh Brolin, and he orders a slice of pie with a slice of uh, sharp cheddar atop. Slightly. Jim, that movie's about aliens invading Earth. I I don't I don't think any (laughs) of the eating habits that they have are something you should (laughs) demonstrate in real life. That was my biggest takeaway. It's fucking delicious. It's just like some people, they put like sour cream or like mayonnaise, chocolate cakes and shit like that. Like to me, that's fucking revolting. So, um, right, so cheese on the apple pie is one thing. I'm like, all right, apples with cheese. I've seen there's like sandwiches that have those combinations. But then yeah, the ice cream like a, throws me off. Well, ice cream with the pie sounds good. But then ice cream with cheese just sounds weird to me. I don't know. Whatever. It, it all comes it. together. They're both dairy. So. When I finally come to your house and you make me like the weirdest wrap and cheese pie ice cream <laughs> combination, I'll try it. Cheese pie a la mode and a uh, a turducken Rito. Yeah. We'll just make a quiche and we'll like put ice cream in it and we'll roll it up in a burrito and fucking Yeah, just, just say cut the middle, man. Just put everything in one uh, unit. Yeah. Um, yeah, we put chicken noodle soup. In a tortilla. You're going to have to eat this before it falls apart. Okay. We've gone off the res. Still falling, yeah. Fallen. Yeah, yeah, back to fallen. I what think this one was... Narration? I like it. I'm usually not a big narration guy, but I'm okay with it in this film. I like how they kind of sprinkle it in. I, yeah. I dig it. I mean, what were you going to say, Sam? I was just going to say, I enjoy it too. Like, uh, if, 
up to a certain level, you almost don't even notice it. Or for me anyway, you almost don't even notice it. But if, it, if there's so much of it, it's like, okay, Jesus, I don't need to be like spoon fed every step of the way what's going yeah. on. And at the end of this movie, at the very end, he does a little epilogue or whatever. I remember thinking like, was there, was there like narration the entire time? And I couldn't really remember it was, yeah. more than just a couple, a couple points throughout. But, um, yeah. So do you mind if I give my two cents and my, my only slight criticism of this movie? Yeah. Because I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. I didn't know anything about it other than being aware of it at the time, but all I knew was like a demonic, whatever. So I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I think it, it lost a couple points from just me personally, not as a good movie because, and let me know if you agree or disagree, but this movie felt so similar to seven to me, but just like a slightly less good version of seven. Yeah. You know? And I, I just kept thinking like, so this whole thing is centralized around the, uh, like a religious sort of theme. It, it, it only came out like a year or two after seven, I think. And there's like, Serial murders. Couple, yeah, it well, is I think similar. It was, Sorry to step on you. I think it was no, three fine. years because seven was ninety five, and then okay. this was ninety eight. So okay, so but yeah, then, it also have, I think Copycat came out the same year as seven too, and I feel like this has Copycat slight slightly okay. Copycat vibes. So I've too, never so. seen that one, but in, okay. in yeah, my mind, Johnny Weaver. So there's the like the religion theme, the the like serial killing with the very, very clear link between all of them put mm-hmm. forward. You know, it's not like vague or ambiguous. It's like, oh, this is from this, from this. The person is taunting, like actively taunting the police. And then ultimately, the goal of the person, whether it's the, the killer or the demon or whatever, the ultimate goal is just the demise of the detective in charge of yeah. the investigate. You know, in... Mm-hmm. The, these three or four themes I was like this is really really similar to Seven which is tough because like Seven is a really good movie and has one of my favorite endings of all time Yeah. so when, oh, yeah. when you're yeah. when you're sort of comparing yourself to something that that great and I, I thought the ending in this was awesome too but by comparison it was just a little bit less in my mind so that would be my only criticism I, I enjoyed it quite a bit See, I knew, Steve, I knew that you were going to like this movie when I rewatched it recently because I was like, I'm watching it and I'm like curious. I'm like, I don't know how Steve's going to rate this because I'll be honest, like, I've kind of, I don't know, I've kind of been a little higher on this film, but now that I'm rewatching it, it's been a while. So there's definitely some negative, like I've noticed, like it's, it just doesn't play as, as smooth as it did when I first saw it. But when the end, when a cat is the is the winner in the end, I just knew that Steve was going <laughs> to fucking like this film. I'm like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like a cat walking away. And that's that's the winner of the film. And I was like, "See, he's gonna love this movie." Well, and I like, I mean, because you saw the cat earlier, so it wasn't like, yeah, "Whoa, he here's he this thing that, yeah, like here's this thing that makes no sense, but it's a convenient way out." It's like, okay, yeah, I remember seeing that. And when they when they were sort of yeah. painting towards the house in the little crawl space, it was like, "Oh shit, there's that fucking." And you hear him? He's like, "You forgot about me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really yeah. Clever. That was smart that they inserted that before. Whereas if they would have just been like, "Oh." Plot device. Here's a cat. We weren't positive that Reese or whatever the Azazel could take the form of an animal, but there's that one scene where it looks like yeah. a cat is looking at Denzel through a window. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. getting so, a point of view the cat, from the like, cat, possibly. So we're like, yeah. okay, yeah, because he wraps it, he wraps himself around that dude's leg, like when he goes in that storefront, and then it and it looks like he's got like that predator vision mm-hmm. shit. So I I took that earlier, like, oh yeah, okay, fuck animals too. I think it was. I think wasn't there an earlier part where there was another animal, or am I tripping? Maybe There's it was the part just with the, the cat, cat looking through the yeah the it was like an orange cat. I mm-hmm. thought for some reason there was a bird, but maybe it was just that fucking shaky camera that it was like angling. Like I, I thought that, but yeah, because there's a couple scenes where the actual like soul or whatever it is, <laughs> the entity itself is sort of it's just in the air, flying around. Yeah, um, that's probably why I thought that. I also so like the narration. I like it in the beginning because you're kind of like, hey, what's going on here? Like, and then we do the like, oh, we're gonna pan back to like two weeks or so, and then it all ties together in the end. You know, so mm-hmm. like the narration for a little while was like sort of like, OK, I get it. Like you're narrating. This film has a weird mix of vibes, though. It's like it's a supernatural film. It's a it's a crime film. You know, it's a noir. It's kind of neo noir a little bit. It has a noir yeah. vibe to it a little bit with the narration and the sort of like him meeting the, the lady and like he's a detective on a case. And it's a definitely a, a weird like hodgepodge of genres. Yeah. He finds this like it's not really a seedy underbelly, but he under he un- he uncovers like yeah. some hidden aspect that you know not everyone is hip to, like this sect of people that maybe know about. And he's not even like demons. willing to admit it at first. Like he's like, "What? I'm like a detective. Like I just go into facts. I don't know anything about angels." And yeah. So, like, the entity itself is not necessarily, it's not necessarily, like, just a demon, right? Like, is it a demon or is it a fallen angel? I took it as it was, like, her explanation and Beth Davids was that it was, yeah, yeah, fallen agent, angel, because she talks and about, that can't like, take a form, so it can only take over, like, a human right. or a person. Like, or like that was kind of one of, that well, was think, one of God's, uh, like, I think, uh, I think a fallen angel becomes a demon, was what she yeah. was trying to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So it's not like necessarily like a servant. It's not like say like a I don't know, like a helper of Satan or something. Like it's like it's like a demon, but it sort of became a demon in a different way. Yeah. Like well, it's I mean, just an outcast. I mean, not 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 to take you guys to Sunday school real quick, but even uh, Satan lived in heaven and was yes, a fallen did. angel, and so everyone yeah. who went with him became the uh the owner operators of hell. So yeah. I don't know good point but i don't know Um, i don't know if it was the same one throughout the entire thing or if it was just i mean i guess it was if they gave it a name right or if it was just like a general demonic possession yeah i I took it that like the giving it a name uh gave it more like uh agency or something like like continuity between the old detective who killed himself and then the new series of shit yeah milana Like the, uh, like in Hereditary, they have Pazuzu. Like there's all the, or not, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> Payman. Payman. And then in Exorcist, you have Pazuzu. So to me, it sounded like with the name, it gave it like a distinct, like, uh, like I think of like uh, mythology and like Ares, like the God of War and like these kinds of things. Like I, I associated it with, with like, you know, a unique demon. And that maybe there's like a ton of other other ones running around too. So, and this was just his uh, 
or this entity's specific mode of operation. It's funny because like, there's a like, there's a story in the Bible. I can't remember where it is or what it was, but they're talking to some guy who's possessed, and they're they're trying to ask like the name of the demon or whatever. Like, who are you? What's your name? And what he says back is like, we are Legion, which Legion mm. means like 2000. It's like, there's a lot of motherfuckers up in here. So good yeah. luck. <laughs> yep. You, had a, you guys haven't covered Exorcist. Oh, you did cover Exorcist 3, right? Yeah. 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 I think that he was, says that line too. And the, and I think the book uh, by uh, William Peter Blatty was supposed to be, he wanted, he wanted to adapt the book uh, into the movie and call it Legion, but the the studio was like, "No, we need the Exorcist." Yeah, in. so yeah. we got to call it Exorcist Three. But yeah, originally it was going to be called Legion, mm-hmm. and they were gonna they were gonna talk about like more than one demon, like the elite, the Legion, not the whole thing, but the Legion that he alludes to. So yeah. that would have been kind of interesting if he got to do like had full creative control, but. Um, Real quick, going back, I'm glad you mentioned seven. I was a little unsure. I put it when I was watching, I put notes. I was like, I'm getting like kind of some seven vibes off this. But, and I agree with you, like, not as well done. Like, something about the cinematography kind of took me out. Like, one of my few knocks, I guess, of this film, other than I feel like it just in general. I feel like like it could have been trimmed down a little bit. Yeah, it's a little little bit long. Two hours and four minutes. But the other, my biggest thing that I did not like, and I think this is just like a, a personal preference thing, but I'm curious what you guys thought was that in the trivia, they refer to it as demon vision. So like anytime you're looking through the eyes, like <clears throat> I, I liken it to like predator vision when mm-hmm. you look where you're looking through the eyes of the demon Azazel and it's got this weird, like delayed, like you feel like you're in like a ship or something and the colors are distorted. It's got a greenish like hue to it. Yeah, and or like diluted coloring, and it, some of the movements it feels choppy. Like it, like the way it made me feel. I, I just it kind of took me out every time. It's like, oh, okay, I'm yeah, we get it. We're in the fucking, we're in the demon. We're, we're in goblin mode. We're in demon time. <laughs> um, but interesting pit of trivia, real quick. So this demon vision footage in the film was shot using a film stock called Ectochrome, which is developed for stills photography. Um, so they shot the they shot at a certain frame rate, and then they printed the film at a higher frame rate to give it this weird uh, kind of herky okay. jerky shit. Um, and they also did a couple other camera movements. Uh, uh, they said they used a mesmerizer lens was also used, which allows the camera operator to cock the lens several degrees to the left or the right. Um, I just, I thought that was interesting. Like the, the technical aspect of what they did to achieve that, but I fucking hated it. Um, I, I feel like there's other like nineties movies where they use this weird, like, like during action scenes, like it, it in, um, fucking mothman that we watched a few episodes back it has that weird effect i I fucking hate it i think they also do that that in in late 90s movies where they want to give you the perspective of like an animal they might have done it like ghost ghost in the darkness where it flashes and it like the the lion yeah it's (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like a dreamlike uh state where like you're seeing through uh, foggy eyes or something or like it's got tunnel vision 
Yeah. yeah. Like you see with the animals, right? Like, so it's like they're seeing predatory like view. So like they're only seeing their prey and everything else yeah. is blurred. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder I, if it I was mean, like just a new effect at the time and they're just, we're going to beat the shit out of this. I feel like that's how Jim sees when he's like making a new burrito. He's sort of just <laughs> fucking zeroed in on that thing. And that sucker, and he's just sort of like floating around the kitchen like an entity. Like, oh, but fuck. no, you're right. Like Jim, I think uh, cinematography wise, like this movie's not it's it's crafted well, but it, it is a little generic looking. Like it, and I think yeah, that's why right. it sort of gets mixed in the fold with other films around the same time because. It just has that same vibe, that same feel. Like like Seven had its own feel, and then this has it borrows a little bit from it. I mean, it's a cop drama type movie with some, you know, serial killer kind of bend. But um, I don't know. It's like definitely. I don't know. It's a little different in that sense with the um, you know the whole Azazel thing. But I also you know think I one thing that a trope I think that Colin was about. missing. It was just missing rain. Right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't in Seattle. <laughs> but, um, yeah, very true. We said we're Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was not one cheesesteak. How was I supposed to know that they were in Philadelphia? No, there was not at true. the very beginning. What was it? They, were, they show the Geno's. They show the Geno's steaks. Oh, on, yeah. And the baggie that the dude has when he tells his like employer to fuck off. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It says, you're like, right. I think it says Pat's steaks. And I know those you're are right. two. Yeah. After all my years of watching like fucking triple d and like food network shit who's got the best cheesesteak like i i know that like pats and Geno's are supposed to be like you know the land right actually i got Philly. caught up though in that moment because that actor is from i just rewatched the uh well i just watched for the first time hills have eyes remake and that actor who plays that that the guy who brings the cheesesteak and is the killer yeah. for part of the beginning he's in yeah. that film he plays like the lizard guy or whatever his name oh is. okay the cleft yeah. palate I haven't seen the remake in a long time. Didn't it come out in like 2006 or something like that? Yeah, it did. That's you. you okay. Yeah, you nailed. That's the exact year that it came out. Dude, that the and scene I was just like, oh, that's a dude. Dude, the scene when the dad fucking dies in that film, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's horrible. Fuck, dude, that movie is intense. But yeah, I recognize that guy too, just as like a generic like. Like char- like super character actor. He's probably been in like yeah. five episodes of SVU and like fucking CSI and all that shit. But uh, yeah, oh, there's like definitely cheesesteak kind of action. So uh, I actually didn't pick up on like the first few times I watched this that it was Philadelphia. I thought it was generic like New York, fucking Gotham, or like um, uh, like Baltimore. I, I had it in my head like this time. I was like, I think this is Baltimore. Baltimore was then, a good pick, actually. I would have gone with Baltimore, if anything. But then a couple things, like now watching it through my eyes, I was like, where is this fucking thing filmed? And then the cheesesteak, I was like, okay, I think it's that. But I think there's a couple other parts where they you notice that it's Pennsylvania, whether it's license plates or something else. But Oh, quick fun fact. The dude who directed this, I guess, also did some work on NYPD Blue and the the police station and like the uh like that bullpen where the cops main area is was those were used prominently in nypd blue so any fans of that people of a certain age maybe they'll that'll jump out it didn't jump out to me but uh i thought that was interesting um so the guy who plays reese the serial killer at the beginning who gets executed is he from law and order or am i confusing him with somebody else 
So many people confuse him with Christopher Maloney. It, it's not him, no. He's from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he's Casey Jones from the OG Ninja Turtles 1. He wasn't in 2. Steve, you've seen Ninja Turtles, right? Uh, yeah, when I was really, really young. I barely remember it. Yeah, he's a standout in as Casey Jones in the first uh, Ninja Turtles. I feel like it still holds up. I watch it every year. So. But he... He wasn't in the second one for whatever I reason, know, but then I they brought him back it. for the third one, which the third one's garbage. I refuse to watch it. I wouldn't piss on it to put out a fire. Um, but yeah, he's a good actor. He's he's really yeah. good. I've been trying to get you to watch uh, The Thin Red Line, Yeah, which is, I mean, if you want to compare something, you, you get you know, saving private Ryan, but it's a totally different thing. It's like, yeah. it's way more, it's got a way more philosophical bent to it, but um it also has like the action and like the real like gritty like intense white knuckle uh you know battle scenes that are similar to private ryan but it's got a crazy like a, a big huge sprawling cast like woody harrelson's in it for a little bit um nick nolte's in it elias coteus plays he he plays a captain in thin red line he's fucking awesome um he's been in a couple other things he was in um prophecy the first prophecy um God, I yeah i sure feel like he's the guy from law and order wow no yeah they, they I, dude a lot of people alive. think that yeah they do look very similar they look like they could be brothers or like first cousins he yeah. did such a good job i like this character he did. i wish there was more of him to be honest Exa- like i was just gonna say that i wish he would would have hung around longer yeah. I w- like i know that the entity itself like leaves him and like takes other people's forms but i wish once in a while we got like maybe a vision of him or like at least his voice more often in in Hobbs's head maybe or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, and another thing, I one thing a, a critique I could definitely say about this film that I just the whole transferring from person to person. I get it. You don't have to do it twenty eight times. Like, yeah, you could do it three times, and I automatically know like, oh, you could go to anybody. Like, I don't need you to see to go to everybody. There's that one scene in the pre precinct where it goes to like twenty five people before. Like, I get it. Hobbs is a detective. He's smart. He he understands. Like. It was sort of overdone a little bit. I I will take this opportunity to disagree, and I I specifically pointed it out in my notes because I was like, I really like this fucking scene where he jumps like thirty people. Because and I'll, my argument is, yes, Hobbs is a really good detective, but he's also like very grounded in the facts. Yeah, he's skeptical. So I, yeah. I felt like I bought that scene as like he's gonna have to do something overt to really like. Cause he's got some like hints that something weird's going on. I felt like it was necessary for it to be over for, for Denzel to like buy in because it took that to, for him to really be like, okay, I, th- I, th- I know this some real fuckery is going on and he's transferring. Yeah, no, I get it. And I feel like they that. had to play that up for the film too, but it looks like Steve, you didn't like this part, this aspect no. at all either. No, okay. I I agree with Hydra on this one. I feel like that it was so unnecessarily pushed in front of you. Like, hey, look how easy it is. Look how quickly it can transfer. And it actually reminded me, I don't know if this is a regional commercial or if it's nationwide, but there's this commercial that I see every once in a while where it's two guys, but it's the same person. And they're like crossing a crosswalk and they meet each other and then they like start fighting. But it's like a weird dance fighting and I think it's like an anti-suicide commercial or something, but it's so fucking weird and unex- like 
I'm not exactly sure what the commercial is for, and I've seen it 10,000 times. I even took a screenshot of it because I thought it might come up because it was so wow. it was so unnecessary, I thought. Uh, I can put it in the chat to see I'm if... Much, like, I think, I think the scene itself is necessary, but it's they overdo it. You know, like him seeing a couple of his, his co-workers become, uh, you know, Azazel works for me. Him going outside and seeing a couple people in the street, that's fine. But then it just transfers from like a guy and his girlfriend to like a guy going this way. And then and then it's going this way. It's going that way. It's going back towards him. Like it just I remember weird. I remember the part where the big fat guy comes across from the trailer. Like specifically, he's like, beware my wrath. Yeah, I thought that was a little cartoony. Like but man. everything else I, I liked, especially with the old lady and she turns around and she's like, some things you just shouldn't know. And I think like, if you took those scenes and peppered them in in other parts of the movie it would have worked better than just... It was like they blew it all in one spot. It's okay. funny because I, I didn't really like that entire scene, but then when that the fat guy says, beware my wrath, I was like, alright, that's a nice way to put a little bow on it. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked when like hit like uh, Gandolfini's uh, guy. What, what was that guy's name again? Lou. Uh, yeah, Lou. Lou. Yeah, when Lou Who's like sings Lou? to him for a moment there, I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> there are also moments where it's like this thing gets in places where you're like, okay, how did you get in there? Like when it's in Hobbs's house. Yeah. yeah. It's it's there at least twice, and I'm just sort of like, well, how did you get in there? Because you were you were the uh, you were like the Eric Crombie and Fitch lady a while ago, uh, or whatever that lady was, like the <laughs> J. Crew lady or whatever she was that witnessed the killing uh, out front where he has to shoot the school teacher, which is oh, another yeah, thing. Dude, she she was, was creepy. She was, Something but like, so her. did she break in the house or did his entity leave the house, leave her, and take over somebody in the house, like the well, brother? It, it, did the brother stab know. himself with the. You would think it would be her. Because then you, when they're escaping the house, you see her She's again. Yeah, she, but yeah, then again, yeah. you see it go back and forth from that husband and wife, like from him to her and then back to him. So who the fuck Because I got is? the idea that almost like the, the brother was taken over for a minute by him. And he made the brother stab himself with the, with the poison and kill himself. That's what I always thought. And then this time I was like, well, fuck. He put a mark on the sun too, Sam. He's like, what if he just went fucking full goblin and invaded the sun real quick? Because that window was open. Yeah, remember when he goes by the window and he he sees that coin and the windows open like you know six inches. Yeah, so I thought that's the how he got was it. used at the uh, crime scene. Yeah, it was left there as evidence. Um, I, I I did like the brother too. I thought the brother was very endearing in the relationship with um, Hobbs and the brother and the nephew. I thought that was definitely I don't know. It was a nice little uh, it added some heart to the film. So so I read yeah. something funny. Uh, I, I didn't do a ton of research about this, but I just read the like Wikipedia synopsis to see if there was anything I was missing. And there was one line that I thought was hilarious talking about this scene where it says, Azazel possesses his nephew, Sam, and attacks John, like talking about when the kid gives his dad the black eye. Yeah. Right. And, and he says, Azazel possesses his nephew, Sam, and attacks John's intellectually disabled brother, Art. I was like, that seems. I didn't. I didn't get that. I didn't think he I was really. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, he was off a little bit. Like he either had a social disorder or depression, or he was in a robe like all the time. I just yeah, thought he was a little like sensitive, like a little weird. But yeah, that 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 just made me laugh. Like, I got the idea that like 
like Hobbs has been helping take care of him throughout his whole life, mostly. Yeah, and I, I I took it that he was maybe not like, you know, intellectually like disabled, but I thought he was like kind of on the spectrum, maybe. Yeah, and then I mean, obviously, there's no wife in the picture, and that's his son, and then yeah, he just. I- you know, his wife was killed and he, that just crushed him and put it. That's kind of what I thought. Like he was having a hard time, but yeah, (laughs) I think it could be a little bit of both, but that, that description just sounds really harsh. (laughs) It does. It did. I was like, Oh shit. I didn't, I didn't feel like they put that out there. Because He he does. The son does call. He, he says, play ball with your dad. I got to go for a minute. And, He's like, my dad's a spaz. And like, he's like, don't say that about your father. Like, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's cher- a good, that's cherish a good, what you have. That's yeah. a good detail. He's like, yeah. And they're, like the part where Goodman comes up and he's like giving him a lowdown on a case. They're playing basketball. Yeah, that was it. And he, he, it's like he has to instruct him, like hit the nephew th- for his dad. He's like, it's like, hey, don't forget lunch. Like that's happened in the past. Like he just forgot to feed his son. And yeah. then he tells Art too. He's like, hey, 10 more minutes. You know, like it. It felt like he needed a little bit of an extra push. So yeah. I really like yeah, that. Yeah, I did too. And I, I felt like it was like part uh it tied into maybe not super well, but like Denzel's kind of got a chip on his shoulder. Like maybe that's why he's an overachiever in his detective work and stuff, and he's like, you know, he hasn't had a time he hasn't had time for his own life. He's always taking care of others and you know, he's got his because brother, he's not but, married. Yeah, he's just like he have a, a workaholic kid, so just, and like helps his brother with the like, family. Yeah, because so, even a little bit of like a romantic vibe between him and Greta. Yeah, a little wow. bit I picked up, but yeah. I also like too that they didn't shoehorn like a fuck scene in for this. No, they didn't. I I wrote down in my notes too. I was like, Greta's a looker in like a handsome sort of way, the way Jim Baby would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that she. I I. I think of her though. I had a crush on her from Army of Darkness because she shows her fucking uh, oh, her fucking chichis. That's where in, she's uh, from. Yeah, she Army of Darkness. Steve too is like unofficially like Evil Dead Three. Yeah, I've I've Ash seen Evil Dead time. Yeah, I, have, I haven't seen Army of Darkness, but when I was watching this, I was I was distracted because she looked so familiar to me, and I couldn't figure out if I was like, is that fucking Alyssa Milano? But then I was getting yeah, angry because. Like a little bit. Right. But then I was like, her character's <laughs> last name is Milano. Like, why would they do that? And I was getting really upset. And then I was like, <laughs> she kind of looks like a mix between, I mean, Alyssa Milano and the the gal who's in all those American Horror Stories, Sarah Paulson. She looks mm. like a weird oh, yeah. com- combination of the two. Uh, and then I looked up her IMDb, and I was like, I don't know her from anything. So maybe she just has that look. Not even Matilda. She was the teacher, Miss Honey. Oh, yeah, Matilda's yeah, I boy. guess. Yeah, I, I I've seen it, but I didn't really recognize her from that. She hasn't been in a lot. She's a kind of a name, but yeah, she's been in Army of Darkness, Matilda, uh, fucking Thirteen Ghosts, Matthew Lillard. Mm-mm. No, all right, Tony Shalhoub. She's in that, and then she's in this. But I I can't think of. I liked her character. In, though. Yeah, I liked her too. She didn't. They didn't overplay her, I feel like. And, I mean, she was kind of like, you know, she's the main point of exposition or one of yeah. the points of exposition in this film and, like, like the info dump, giving you the background on the angels and demons and, like... I felt like she could have been a little like more... When they do that with the character and they, they deliver it over time rather than just, like, dumping it to you all at once, like... 
Yeah, they I, they could have done worse for sure. Yeah, um, I think, but I she. Think she I, feel, I think she could have been a little more helpful <laughs> towards the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was very standoffish at first too. She yeah. was sort of like, "Hey, I'm just gonna." But I mean, to her point, she saw all of this play out with her dad at a younger age, too. And that's why she was like, yeah, kind of like, fuck off. Like, I don't want any part of this because I know how it ends, you know. you Yeah, you go kill yourself, too. I don't want to tell you anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. She could she could have been a little bit more helpful. I th- I put another note. This kind of reminded me not not a lot, but it, it reminded me of End of Days a little bit, mainly with the religious angle uh, with Arnold. Yeah. And then there there's a, a callback to that in the trivia I found was um, there was a time they considered Arnold for the role of uh, Hobbs for John for Denzel oh Washington. God. Yeah, I I don't I don't see yeah, that working. Awful. I I, yeah. I love Arnold, but no, yeah, Absolute, not in this. Absolutely not. Yeah, this isn't his kind of uh, vehicle. I mean, but. I guess because they play they play Hobbs up to be like the goody goody cop, right? He doesn't take the cream, yeah. And so I guess that's why he's sort of able to combat Azazel, right? Like he's supposed to be sort of like a an angel, if sort of. So is Greg. Yeah, and then they 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 plant that seed pretty early because yeah. he gives him that firm handshake. Yeah. And that's when like Azazel's like, oh, okay, this is this is like a this is a big catch for me. It's like this is my next like uh you know fun thing instead of because he can he can transfer at will and do anything he fucking wants, but then he's like, Oh, hard this guy like Greta's dad too. Like I guess he was a good guy. Star cop, like yeah, he had like maybe some some kind of thing. They they kind of hint at that, like, oh, maybe there's some people, you know, that are like like uh, light bringers or like, you know, mm-hmm. people that, that can combat that are the antithesis to these demon things. And I feel like they weren't very overt about that, yeah. which could be good or bad, but yeah, like they, they plant that seed early, at least I'll give him credit for that. Like when he try he, when he gives him that full on handshake, which I thought that was weird too. I was like, why would you shake this motherfucker's hand? Yeah. It seemed off because he was so agitated when they first go to, you see Denzel flipping the coin and it's sort of like, you could tell he's super invested in this case. And like, this guy's like catching this guy and like making sure that he sees the death penalty. And then to shake his hand, right. just seems sort of off to me. It was like, why would you even bother? Yeah. That part I was like, hmm, whatever. I don't know. I, th- I thought they had a, a kind of professional rapport back and forth. Like, Hey, it's hey. the guy who caught me. And he's like, yeah, I gotcha. And you know, no yeah, they did in that scene. Yeah, kind of like a like a no hard feelings. You're just doing your job, and I'm a sick fuck. And yeah, I just killed forty people. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe I could buy that if he was like not as like not not as crazed like a serial killer that's killed so many people. You know, like maybe if more of like a bank robber type person that's killed people or a gangster, I could see that a little bit more. But like a serial. Whatever, uh, they had to do that to establish like early on. Okay, he can't transfer by touch to Denzel. Yeah. So, and yeah, they flesh that out later on in the film. Like, okay, the only way is when he's in like this like heightened power state when he's floating through the air. You know, like when he's outside of a body. Then, like when he's close to death and he's like he's got to turn up the juice. You know, yeah. to eleven. 
that's when he can get into like you know uh, more of more of his his co equal, I guess. They don't even play up the religious stuff, though. Like, if they had showed Denzel being a little bit... He's not... They don't even play into his faith too much, where, like, why would he be a guy who can't be taken? Right. He's not into God, necessarily. Like, maybe he has faith, but they don't really go in... For a film that's kind of long, they don't really go into certain aspects of the plot that would have serviced it a little bit better, in my opinion, too. We spent too much time just watching him touch people and transferring back and <laughs> <Yeah>. forth. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely play him like a straight man. There was like one line where he's like, I tried to get in there, but I just couldn't because of, is it like he's too aware? He's all about the facts, maybe, yeah. There, there was something like, he's too morally whatever, or... Cause I, oh, yeah. I can't remember exactly what it what was, he, but... What's he say? He, she asks him, like, do you go to church? Do you believe in God or something? Uh, the M. Beth Davids. And he's like, I go to church every once in a while, you know? And then, um, what was the other thing? He sees too Fuck. much bad the whole shit. Cream thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. He's like, it's hard to sustain the faith, you know, when you see what I see, you know, day yeah. in day out. Like he's just he's jaded. He's he's numb to that kind of thing, and he so he doesn't see a lot of hope or like the yeah. good behind things when all he's walking through is blood every day. I also made a note too, real quick, kind of like side tangent of that. I thought it was interesting that. Um, when M. Beth Davids leaves him, like when, when he leaves, she's like, do you believe in God, Mr. Hobbs? And, and he's like, I go to church every once in a while. And she's like, eh, okay, whatever. And then she's like, good luck. And then it, that kind of like throws him off and he leaves. And like that kind of thing kind of threw me off a little bit because it's like, you know, people that are very pious and religious, you know, they believe in, you know, I feel like chance or luck isn't something that they would subscribe to. Like, it's like everything's preordained and like you give yourself to God, you go to heaven. It's not, it, it, it's not a matter of like luck doesn't play into it. Like that's more of like the devil's playground kind of thing. So I thought I that it. I just put the, I was like, interesting. Uh, <laughs> I took it as her saying like, good luck going up against Azazel because you're, you're, you're poking at it. Right. And like, I'm telling you to leave it alone. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like you're going to, and you don't, you know. So like, you're not a man of faith necessarily either. So like, good luck with. Yeah, okay, you know. maybe I that's, was trying to read how, into it a little bit too much. That's how I took it too. Like, all right, I mean, it's your funeral, but the, there is yeah. also an interesting duality or dichotomy or whatever with, with religious people, where uh, there can be a lot of things ascribed to God's will, but then there's also a, a lot of things ascribed to free will. So mm-hmm. those two things have a really hard time jiving together sometimes. Like, well, is this, is this God's will or is this because of man's free will that it happened? So right. It's like, f- fuck if I know. So that's interesting too, because the name I saw this in the trivia and I'm not super, I'm not smart enough to, you know, extrapolate on this, but the one point that um, was interesting that ties off of that is they got, they took uh, John Hobbs, name the main character denzel john hobbs is uh they mashed together so thomas hobbs who is a famous like um like philosopher like old philosopher that said that all man is like inherently evil and there's nothing that you can do about it it's in their nature so john uh thomas hobbs and then there's john locke who was an at an advocate. So this ties into like people that are into lost and shit. Yeah. They'll know that very well. Uh, John Locke was more like, no men have free will and given the opportunity, 
at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the good in the good that is allowed by man's free will will override the evil eventually, like in the long run. So those two, I thought that was interesting that they took those two Hmm. kinds of ideas and smashed those philosophers together to be Denzel's character where he's kind of like riding the edge on both throughout the film. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, I'm not a big philosophy buff, but yeah. The philosophizer. Yeah. That ties into what you were just talking about, how like there's gray areas, you know, like, cause you hear so often it's like, Oh, it's God's will, you know? And you just like, you know, Jesus take the wheel and all that kind of thing. But then there is, <laughs> it does allow for my man's free will. That's, that's interesting. I mean, wouldn't it be great yeah, if there was a simple explanation for, for things that I think that's what most people are looking for is like a, a simple explanation. But the problem is it's not a simple world we live in. It's very complicated. No. So True that. Um, uh, one scene that bothered me. Uh, so the yes. scene where he chases the kid and then the kid uh, transfers over to the school teacher. Yeah. Where he gets him to kill the school teacher. Yep. The school teacher, he breaks into a stolen vehicle, like a vehicle that just happened to be stolen, and just finds a gun. Yeah, that's and pretty a, convenient. Like that whole scene seemed really sloppy to me. Like, I get <laughs> like the, him shooting a guy in the middle of the street. That makes sense, but the way that they they made that scene happen, it just seems it seems sort of rushed and forced. Like, I I even rewound it because I'm like, wait a minute, like the the school teacher didn't have the gun on him, like he right. just happened to find a gun, like just ran, like he. It's as if he knew there was a gun in that car. And wasn't it, wasn't it later on too, like in like a police report, you're here in the background that the gun was only filled with blanks. Yeah, did I misremember that, or it was no? They did say that. Okay, so to me, that was like, damn, because I, I mean, this is Azel guy. Like, you know, he can transfer. He he can. He's smart. I mean, this yeah, maybe he set it up. Yeah, he could. I mean, yeah. that's where you're giving a lot of credit to the writing and, and the film yeah. and the things that they've set up. But if I think about it, and if I allow myself to to give it that much leeway, I could see him choreographing that. Like, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. Well, so yeah, the car taking the, someone the, over that has gun. a gun, loading it with blanks on purpose, like going to all these links to like, cause it, it yeah. shows and like the things he talks about, he's like, I'll fuck you up left, right, front and center. And like, yeah. if that doesn't work, I have other ways. Like, I mean, th- you have to remember too, this creature's thousands of years old. So it's got yeah. you know, all these you tricks know up man its sleeve. So, so the, the I, fact I got kind of gave it that and the randomness of the scene, but yeah, now that you're saying it, it makes sense that he might've, had the car there, the gun, and then the teacher was just sort of random. Like that was that was just a random person he grabbed after he was the kid. Yeah. And right. then just he knew to go into that car at that moment, maybe. Like he drew yeah, he drew uh, Denzel into that trap to run towards that area. That makes more yeah. sense. It didn't play out that way. Like they never showed him set it up. So I was just sort of like I mean, how would you know? That's the cool thing about breaking down films is like when I was watching it, I didn't think all of that, but after us talking and just kind of throwing things back and forth, it makes you think like, well, what if, and you know, like yeah. this thing's up, this thing's like been around for so long that, well, if you sit and think about it, yeah, that could be plausible that it's, I mean, cause it's in its only goal 
it, it doesn't have to worry about anything other than surviving. And it's got that down clearly over thousands of years. So it's getting off on toying. It's like, it, even at the end too, like when he's John Goodman, he's like, what's maximum fun. This is maximum fun. Like he's just like, this is a, a, a circus that he's just kind of running through and, and having fun. So yeah, John um, Goodman goes ham in that scene too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he's taking and shit. Yes, it I is. That was the most John Goodman I've ever seen John Goodman be. Yeah. I liked how that because I was like, throughout this film, I was like, he played it pretty low key, like yeah. as as that character. And yeah, when it when it infects when Azazel comes into him, they let him go. And we got Dan Connor in the very end there. Full throttle, yeah. <laughs> Although there is one line I wrote too when John Goodman is John Goodman and they're like all the weird shits happening with these copycat cases and shit. He says, uh, someone's playing with my dick and it ain't me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he saw his dick though. What's that? Like a- yeah, <laughs> he's definitely got a dicky do. Yeah. Well now he can probably see it, but Yeah, that's yeah. lost a lot at the moment, I'm like, what if he's gotta run after someone? Like he's he's in horrible shape in this yeah. role. He's big. That line reminded me of Walter in Big Lebowski. Like, somebody's playing yeah, oh, with yeah. my dick and it's not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it, dude. <laughs> I'm staying. Oh. I'm finishing my coffee. I do love John Goodman in it, though. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking <laughs> interesting. <laughs> uh, Damn it, Walter. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know, there's. Now that we're talking about it too, I I, I feel like I have more knocks against it than I, w- I won't say more more critical points because I do like this film. But another critical point that I didn't like about this, especially towards the end, is when um, when Denzel's on the lamb finally and he's got Sam with him, his nephew, and he's talking to him about like he's like he's breaking it down like, all right, yeah, your dad's dead and people are gonna mm-hmm. say shit about me. But- I thought that was like really cheap and like we have to address this and they just slap dashed it together. Like the, and then it, it, it seems like, okay. Yeah. Like the kid already knew, like he, he knew something weird was going on and it's like, I, I don't feel like he was that percep- perceptive as a, of a kid to like realize what well, maybe, maybe he was because he knew like his dad was a little bit off, but he didn't seem affected by it. Like it I didn't... guess he put the pieces together, like, oh, we ran out of the house and dad was still sleeping. But he didn't even seem to emotionally deal with it, you know? Yeah, he did. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, that, that, that kind of rubbed me a little bit wrong. And like, then he's he, like, oh, I'm just... John's like, I'm just going to leave you with this random lady you just met for the first time. You might be with her for a long time. Who knows? Yeah, like, here you go. And he's just like... I oh, mean, maybe she, that's the resilience did of a, kids. She did a great yeah. job in Matilda. So we're yeah, gonna leave. you're right. <laughs> and the kid's like, I'm just going to go to sleep. When I wake up, this is all going to be over in a dream. Yeah, <laughs> I I just didn't. I, I feel like there should have been a little bit of impact from I that. I kind of feel bad for the kid, too, because I'm like, wait, John dies in the end. like, And his dad's dead. And he's left with some random stranger who has no custody of him. Like, there's no law. The law is not going to let her keep him. Oh and yeah, the he's going out there. Like he can come back in cat form, whatever form he wants. He's going to. He yeah, might he still came back and killed that and, kid. Yeah, who knows? But even if he didn't, yeah, he's getting like 
rolled through the system and like yeah he's not staying with with miss honey like and having like this idyllic life with this nice caring woman like yeah he's getting he's getting screwed over for sure um yeah i didn't i didn't like that aspect of it i was like he should have he should have felt something more he should have been like more or at minimum like tripped out like oh fuck like like there's a specific scene he's sitting there and he's like smiling he like rubs his head he's like like dude your dad just died you're on the fucking train tracks there's like hobos surrounding you your your uncle who pretty much was your dad it seems like like he's he's pretty much raised him for the most part like he just said you might not see me ever again and he's just like all right i'm gonna pretend like this is all gonna go away tomorrow i believe he tapped me and was like remember the titans Strong side. Um, also, the finale. Um, it's a little convoluted. To the whole, like, okay, I get going. You're going to go to a place where you can't, uh, the, the spirit can't find another human being. Fun. The cops come there. I like that sort of interplay of like, oh, we think it's Sutherland for a minute. And it's not, hmm. right? It's Goodman. And I love that line that he gets. What does he say? Like, Sometimes life gives you a surprise or something like that. And some, yeah. And then he's like, sometimes it, bam, it's a big one. And he shoots Sutherland in the head. And I loved his delivery in that part. Yeah. Then he turns it on. Yeah. He turns it on like big time. And then he turns it on like when he, when he gets shot, he's like, fuck you, motherfucker. Like he's getting (laughs) angry. Dude, I like, like when he's singing that the time. Yeah. He's on my side. He's like, he's like, you a Stones fan, Hobbsy? He's like, yeah. he's like, no, you're not, you big monkey fan, you pussy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the whole like poison in the cigarettes, like I get it, but you shot the guy in the head. Hobbs could have easily just shot himself in the head yeah. right after. There was enough time the to do thing. that. Did yeah. you need to smoke a poison cigarette too? Like maybe as an extra insurance, but it just seemed sort of like dragged out too. I don't know. Just in order to get to that ending of him running away. Just smoke a regular one if you've quit and you're like about to hit one of these before we go out and then boom. Yeah. And then yeah, cause what if own... it's not enough poison or whatever and we're smoking. It doesn't do the job. Right. Enough, yeah. Enough. Yeah. The, the gun to the head, definitely uh, your, your margin for error uh, is like zero. So but then we don't get that narration that we got in the beginning. Like we don't get the tie in to him yeah. saying, Oh, I almost died. Yeah, this is one with like the replay value kind of eats it because I remember when I threw it on, I was like, oh, that's right. The fucking evil, the evildoer, you know, wins out because he's got that. He's kind of got a sly. He's like, did I ever tell you about the time I almost died? Like, yeah, I don't like that. I wish they would have played that more straight or just left that out. The first time it's cool because you don't know. But when you watch it. Again, it's just like, oh, that's right. Whereas, like, you, you know, you put this film aside for a couple of years, like, there's a ton of shit, like, the whole, like, the him finding out and going through the files and, like, seeing, oh, there's someone else who already did this, the the religious gal's dad, and, like, like uncovering all of that was interesting to go through again. But I, I remember thinking, I was like, fuck, I wish they would have played it a little bit straighter at the beginning. Yeah, I definitely like the cop stuff. Um, I, I definitely like the investigation part and like i said like this film sort of ties the line of like several different genres um and it 
I don't think it does them all them all successfully. So that's sort of why it seems a little I don't know bro, like fractured in a sense. Where it's like it's is it a thriller? Uh, yeah, it is sort of. It's also like a mystery film, and then the supernatural part is a little bit tacked on a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. What do, what do you call it when it's like a like a cop story or yeah, like, you, you, procedural or is no uh, no. What do you mean? Well, I I thought you were trying to classify like the kind of yeah. Like, what cop what were you story. saying? What's it called? I was saying like a procedural, like, you know, like an incident happens, there's cops, they start out from grounds. Oh yeah. Police procedural. <laughs> I mean, I count it, man. He said it in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. At, like two minutes later. I know. I didn't want to, <laughs> I was going to try and go to into saying it, but I was like, I don't know if that breaks the rules. <laughs> well, I mean, that is it. You know, you think of like, <laughs> no, it you it's the crux of all those like criminal minds. And that's where the seven stuff comes into play too, where like we're investigating this killer and his, you know, the biblical stuff too. We brought in the linguists to like, Oh, this guy was speaking a weird, like biblical language. Syrian Aramaic. Yeah. That's no, I've never heard anybody speak it before. I've only seen it written. Like, yeah. So it's, I liked all that stuff. I just think yeah. I I feel like if if this like script was like went through another draft, I think it would have been super tight. Yeah, they definitely could have polished a few aspects. Yeah. I agree for sure. But it's it's like the building blocks are there for a solid movie, and that's why I think it works. I just think, like you said, Jim, after several viewings, like that first viewing hits really good. Yeah, uh, but after a couple, I just remember like I've definitely noticed some some cracks this time. Yeah, because I'm like Donald Sutherland's a great actor. What the fuck is he doing in this though? He's just sort of like <laughs> he just pops into a, a scene. He's just sort of like, "What, Hobbs? Yeah. Oh, you better report to this." Ha ha. Oh yeah. yeah, the the higher ups think you might be into something, but I don't. And then he walks yeah. away. They could have saved a lot of money by just well, there was, casting some other dude in his 60s as a lieutenant. There was one scene that bugged me, where they're like, "They found your fucking coin in there with your fingerprints all over it on the yeah." On the on the crime scene, and he's like, "Well, I was in the crime scene, and I yeah, had my was. coin. Maybe I left and it that behind. Was my coin, yeah." And it it reminded me of one of my favorite parts of the Usual Suspects, where he's like, "What if I could tell you I I could put you in Queens the night of the robbery?" He's like, mm. "Well, I live in Queens. You put that <laughs> you put that together yourself." <laughs> I'm glad that's that that's a film that you've seen. That's one of my faves. Oh yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. Did I ever tell you about that barbershop quartet that I was in in Skokie, <laughs> Illinois? <laughs> you know what's going to happen to you if you go back to prison? Uh, fuck your father <laughs> in the shower and have a snack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. So would you call this an overall you enjoyed the film? I did. I liked it a lot. Steve? Yeah, okay. very cool. Very good. Yeah, I, this is one that, like... I think like Hydra and myself, you know, we can see uh, more of the faults after seeing it a few different times, but yeah. Yeah. Like coming into a first watch, you know, like I think the first, the first time you watch it is, is good. And yeah, the replay value kind of sinks down a little bit on subsequent watches, but I feel like this isn't like a film you want to watch all the time. Yeah. Maybe I should clarify. I don't think this is a, 
good movie necessarily, but I really liked it. But you so, liked it. Yeah, that's that's yeah, the point. Yeah, we're it. we're not we we usually don't go off yeah, this was a good or exceptional. It's like, did you like it kind of thing. So yeah, there's a distinction there for sure. Um so I do have a I have I have two other things I want to mention real sure. quick that even though I I said I didn't have any criticisms, I just have a couple other little questions for you in Hydra yeah. when he comes back. Um so one of the other things I was reading from the synopsis was it says Hobbs go to, goes to the Milano cabin and calls Jonesy, knowing he will trace the call. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think he was going there. Oh, I think I think he me. was trying to like placate him or defer him or like, hey, I'm just going on, whatever, don't worry about me. Yeah, he didn't want anyone out there. Right. So so that leads to uh, the, uh, point one a, which was when he's in the cabin and he's waiting for the demon to show up, I was expecting the lady, right? Cause I think that was the last version of the demon that we saw was the, the creepy gal who was following him. Yeah. Okay. So I remember thinking the, the demon is too smart to go out there alone. Cause right. Obviously he's been there before and the fucking other cop did the same exact fucking thing. Right. So, (laughs) so I was thinking like, man, it would be such a good idea to go into the police department and touch one of them and get that to go. But then when they did go, I was expecting it to be John Goodman. So then when Sutherland came out, I thought, Oh shit, no, it's different or whatever. So that was a good little twist that it it sort of went along with what I was thinking, but it sort of deflected it momentarily because then when John Goodman came out, it was like, Oh shit. Yeah. You know, here we go. It's different. But, uh, one question I had was the serial killer. What was it? Reese. 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 So he gave, Denzel the clue about the gap between these two cops. Right. right. Yeah. Yes. So why would he do that? Because all that does is lessen the chances of him living longer unless he was just trying to boast or because it seems it seems counterintuitive to be like, hey, go check out this thing which might be able to give you the information to defeat me in the end, you know? Yeah. And then he seems surprised when he's like, Oh, you found the thing that is that, uh, what's his name? Wrote on the wall at the cabin. Oh, clever. You like you let you, you let yeah. him there. In this <laughs> you yeah. told me this guy. And he yeah. kind of spoon fed it too, like throughout the film, like with little nuggets, you know, but I, I mean, I took that back to like, this fucking creature entity, whatever has been alive, been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. It's numb. It's, it's wanting that, you know, it's chasing the dragon, you know, it's wanting that risk factor, that uncertainty. Can I make it out? Like a serial killer wants to get caught a little bit, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe it, yeah. It could be along that line too. Like he's sick of it. Or he's just like, this is how I have maximum fun. Like he's got, or you have, you got to up the ante. You have to escalate to get that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. 
Or like, was this his way of, did he think this was his way of like breaking Hobbes down in order to take Hobbes over? Or like, or by leading Hobbes through these breadcrumbs was what was going to, you know, how he would frame Hobbes and ultimately like destroy his life. Yeah, and maybe he derived he know that from doing hand, that. Right? What's that? I mean, he didn't know that until he shook his hands that he couldn't take over his body. Right. So maybe from that point, then he was. But this like, was all oh. planned before then. Or it could have. Maybe he knew before, because then, like, we don't know. At least I don't know. The videos that he shot. Was that before or was that after when he's like, you know, it comes interspersed later in the film when he's like, I w- take a good look, Hobbs. And he's like, no, going that out was of this way to show. Yeah, that was like okay. right after Hobbs left the room. Yeah. I mean, he makes a show of it to like use his left hand predominantly. And then they talk about specifically like fucking Reese was a right handed. Mm-hmm. He, he batted right handed. He threw right handed when he played baseball. And like he, it's like, yeah, he put these in specifically, but. To the question, did he know he was going to do that before? I don't know. Maybe it was like when he shook his hand and he was like, "Ooh, this is a new challenge. Like this is a new, this is a new opportunity." And maybe he knew too. Like you know, this guy, he's like the hero cop. He's got all these collars. Like he sent. What do you say? He sent eight people to the fucking death chamber or the, you know, the gas chamber, the electric, yeah. uh, the electrocution uh, chamber. Like, like he's like, this is a hero cop. I want to fucking rub this in his face i want to fuck his life completely up and flip it around and at the end too he like when he um when he possesses john goodman and he shoots donald southern and he's talking to him and he's like he's like you're fucked he's like jonesy's fucked now and he did he he went out of his way to like ruin his friend's life like his Mm -hmm. life's completely fucked now if he transfers out and makes it out somehow he's totally demolished his life because he so yeah, maybe it is just a pure spree sprinkled in with, you know, a little bit of forethought and, you know, adding these crumbs just as like a new challenge. That's, that's the way I took it. Like with that much time on your hands, they did trace his call back to the cabin. That's what you were saying earlier too. Like, didn't he, did you infer that or did, did, was it like narrated that he's like, I went out here knowing that they would, there was just the call that went down with him and Jonesy. Yeah, though the synopsis I read said that he called Jonesy hoping that he would trace the call, which I didn't okay. a- a- agree with. Like I thought he was just he right. he knew that Jonesy was on uh with the other detectives and he's like Yeah, he yeah, had to have known that. Yeah, he's like no, so that I'm, was not just gonna, I'm not gonna give you t- Yeah, whoever wrote that article is a dumb shit. I guess they plant that kind of seed because kind of throughout, it seems like Donald Sutherland's character after a while, after weird shit starts happening, he starts, he, he throws little jabs at Denzel throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Like, so, I mean, you could say like, oh yeah, okay. Like maybe this guy, knowing that Denzel has a chip on his shoulder, he's this hero cop guy. And like some, there's some fuckery afoot like with all these weird cases that are tied like the copycat shit to the, to Edgar Reese who was just killed. So maybe he's got like this gut feeling that is, something's off. And it's like a and little red some, herring thrown yeah. in too. Where like Donald Sutherland seems like almost like, Oh, was this like a case that was sort of like covered up years ago? And like, that's why he tells him like, leave it alone. Don't, don't, 
investigate this any further. I, I got like a little LA confidential vibes too. Like, yeah, for, like for a minute I was like, oh shit. I was like, maybe Yeah, maybe it's something with Donald Sutherland's character in they the past that he doesn't though. he's kind of playing it cool, but in the background he's like, fuck. Or he's trying to do something like uh to bar or to like inhibit Denzel from like really finding the truth. I remember yeah. on this watch, I was thinking like, Oh, is that part of it? Like that was they he involved in some shit. They do. And then it makes you think, well, I'm like, Oh, who's that cop in on the plaque? And he's like, I don't, I have no idea. Like you do know though, but yeah, so he does you, like he didn't. Yeah. I guess you could explain that away too. Like maybe it's just like a stain on the department and he didn't want like someone digging I through guess. that. Or you could take it like, Oh, like, you know, he knows about that and uh, he just doesn't want to get involved. Or maybe the Azazel character, too, is, is you know, he can transfer from person to person. And they make a note, too, in the film that when he transfers Azazel, he, he becomes that person and knows their past. So I thought that was an interesting point that they put in the film. Like, okay, as soon as he takes over, he knows whoever he takes over is full past and exactly where they're at in life. Like, it's not just like he takes over this vessel and it's like, no, he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. He knows exactly the person he's inhabiting their whole life story and everything to be able to assimilate and just go through life and then jump and then off or they, do something. There's like a section of their life that they're missing. They don't even know what was happening. Yeah. yeah. And then when they come out of it, it's like amnesia. Like the one dude, he's like, I've been drinking. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I think I've been and drinking. then he's like, yeah, you lost your job, man. You fucking got fired. And he's like, what? Yeah. So they yeah, also that's- love corn, cornflakes for some reason. I don't know. I yeah I thought I took that as like that was some kind of hallmark of the Edgar Reese serial killer like that was his like yeah I guess killing signature and that he kept that up and using the same poison to like you know wrap up the cops in a tizzy like this dude just died and then we have a copycat and then it I think there's another point too where it's like uh what was it the uh, the first two people he transfers into, they killed each other in the same yeah, exact yeah. way. So that makes it even more confusing and like complex. Like what the fuck is going on here? You know, I guess he was trying to make it look like a copycat. And then he wanted to point the blame at like, Oh, it was Hobbs. Who's the copycat all along. Like, yeah. And then that's what he started working towards. Like, Oh, like similar to the first guy, Robert Milano, like he went crazy and like, it just seems so convoluted for a demon to go through that fucking, like you're a fucking demon, bro. To go through all that. Yeah. Yeah. You can transfer your from body to body. Like you could be the president of the United States right now if you wanted to be, but instead you're playing games with some fucking detective. Like, I don't know. Seems a little odd to me. Like when when you pick it apart, it starts definitely starts falling apart in my eyes now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna feel bad for having to pick it apart. I'm like, no, wait, I like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, another thing that was interesting to me is like, like I I didn't look at Rotten Tomatoes, but on IMDb, which I feel like IMDb, it's pretty tough to get a good score. Like, I think in the last episode we were talking about, like, the lion's share of shit is between, like, six, like a six out of ten and, like, a seven and a half out of ten. And I saw, I think this has a seven out of ten, which I think that's a pretty respectable, that's, that's a really good score for IMDb. Yeah. Um, 
So I was actually surprised to see that because I could definitely I I enjoy this film, but I could see people I could see this being like ranked as like a four or a five, like a run of the mill, like police procedural <laughs> with four, supernatural five, elements. Probably there it is, police procedural. Um, I don't like to disappoint. Um, uh, I think, yeah, we got a couple other things to get into, but yeah, I, th- I think that for me, that kind of wraps up. Um, Fallen. Is there anything else you guys want to touch? I, I do on like about the ending. Film? I like the end. I like the last scene of just like the people in the bustling city walking around. Yeah, and it's how like, yeah, it's like it could be anybody. We get sympathy for the devil from the stones, which ties in with uh, time is on your side uh, is on my side from the stones. So I kind of just dig that. I thought it was a good musical choice and just a cool ending scene of like this thing's out there again. And it's just you, you're not going to stop like a mortal man is probably not going to stop this thing. Others have tried. Yeah. I, I did like it, too, because they could have easily made this into like, you know, happy, like good ending, like good prevails. I liked how they leaned into like, nope. You got the cat, and then it's and then that end part with the the music, and then it's like, yeah. yep, he's out there, and he's just jumping from person to person, and who knows what the fuck else is going to happen they, out of this. So, so I like, like they that. make it seem like like there might have like the good guy might have won, but in order to win, he was still going to kill himself, like he was going to die, you know? Yeah, and like that would have still been like okay, like he he beat he beat the demon, but he still had to the ultimate sacrifice was he had to take himself off the board. And everything around him basically burned down to a cinder too. Like you know, his oh family yeah, is like his best friend Jonesy, his then yeah, we get his, the his nephew. The yeah, it's sort of like uh oh. Fun piece of trivia too I saw was I guess uh, fans of this film that like this ending left a poor taste in their mouth that there's a fan cut or edit out there somewhere called Azazel where they they edit the end. Uh, to make it out where Denzel wins and good prevails. I hate and, people and that he, do stuff like and that. And he does, can, yeah. <laughs> Dumb. I give it up, bro. The film is over. It, it, yeah. The people that created the film ended it the way they wanted to. Who are we to change the ending? If there's a director's cut out there and there's a different ending, that's different. But you're going to go out of your way to create the other end? Like, get yeah. a fucking hobby. <laughs> get laid or something. Like, what are you doing? Get a get a John Hobbsy. Oh, <laughs> can I share? Uh, can I share my favorite? This might be a new feature because I like it a lot. But I went on. I reckon you better suck these balls. <laughs> Just kidding. Right. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> oh yeah, let's do so it. I, so I was reading some reviews, and there was one that was particularly cunty. <laughs> that might need to be a recurring segment of my my favorite cunty review of the week of the movie yeah. we watched. This bitch says, and she's so self congratulatory. I think she says the first half of this movie holds some promise, but time is not on its side. Oh, oh boy, so witty. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, Christ. That was enough to send me into a rage spiral. Yeah. It's like, I yeah, can't it's even like, understand her critique, though. She didn't go into any de- like detail about why. 
What is, what is it? It's like she had time on your side in her head. No. And like, yeah. what's the you most the basic fucking way I can spin this and to be in a hoe bag? Um, <laughs> and her screen name was Karen. 6969 6969 It was dumbbitch at aol.net. <laughs> Weird. AOL. Oh dude, AOL, do you do you remember seeing some of the the film of this and yeah. he's like googling and it said America online is like the Oh, OG I do love the internet. early internet vibes that we get from him like doing research yeah. and like yeah. He does a little research at night and then brings a folder of the photocopied <laughs> things yep. that he saw online. Yep. To show like his other police, like oh check out what I what I photocopied last night. I got some maps from MapQuest to go to this. Fuck. Well, he I looks photo- up. He looks up. I Thomas. photocopied some research from CompuServe. Well, yeah. he, he looks up one guy, and is like, "Here's all the information I have." If I try to look up one person's name, it's like we have ten thousand results on Facebook for Skokie, Illinois. Like, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Kobayashi. It brought me back to a, an older time. I think there was a scene where they cut out where he had to put in the new disc of AOL. The, the <laughs> My free the, trial the next, has ended. The yeah, the free the trial. The next 90 minutes. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I uh, another segment one. I got to come up with a bump for this, but what was it? Like all paths lead back to Bill Paxton. Um, okay. So it's basically like six degrees of separation, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, I didn't prepare for this. Yeah, so I'm putting you on the spot. I'll start with Steve. Can you tie this movie back in any way, shape, or form, whether it be actor, director, writer, something autobiographical to you that can tie this back to Bill Paxton? Um, hmm. I, I don't think I can. I'm sorry. This one's kind of tough, I think, now that I speak it aloud. But oh, I think I got one. Hydra? I'm drawing inquiring a blank. Mind, inquiring minds would like to, to know. Think of like, so we're trying to, we're trying to, to bridge a, uh, a line between Bill Paxton and Denzel, or this movie in general? This movie in general. So it could be any actor, any one of the writers, a director. Hmm. I think I have. I got one. If you guys are are still stumping, maybe yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some breadcrumbs and see if you can take it from there. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So okay. So we have Denzel. Obviously, that's my first jumping off point. So he was in uh, a movie called Bone Collector with Angelina Jolie. Jolie, yeah. That's the hint. So can you branch off of Angelina Jolie to Bill Paxton? Maybe if you think previous lovers of Angelina Jolie. I'm thinking um, Billy Bob Thornton. Warm. Fuck, I just keep thinking of Twister. (laughs) (laughs) I I just recently watched Aliens. Yeah. Yeah, all I think is, yeah, Twister and fucking Aliens. And then, and then my mind jumps to, um, uh, fuck, what is it? Uh, True Lies, when he pees himself. I got a little dick, man. <laughs> it's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. <laughs> Dude, I love when he's when he's in that, uh, like, the dream sequence of Arnold, and he's, like, like driving in that fucking, uh, like, Porsche, that old Porsche, mm-hmm. and he's talking about... Um, 
Jamie Lee Curtis. And he's, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm working on this new one. She's like, he's like, uh, what does he say? Uh, titties. It'll make you want to bend down and beg for buttermilk. Ask like a 10 year old boy. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a 10 year old boy. How is that a descriptor of a fine female ass? Like, Dude, you like got me. Man. <laughs> he plays such a fucking cooter sleazeball in true lies. Uh, all right. Well, so right. if you take Angelina Jolie to Billy Bob, you're on the right track. Okay. So Billy Bob and Bill Paxton start together in a simple plan circa 1998. Oh. Okay. You guys ever seen a simple plan? No, I have. Billy Bob plays like a intellectually disabled, handicapped <laughs> fella. Aren't they con with... men in that? Kind of. They're kind of sort of like a modern day uh, um, men of mice, uh, mice of men, or something like that. Uh, yeah, kind of. They stumble upon like a plane has crashed, and there's like a cache of money, and they fucking yeah, they, they get it and they keep it, and then just shit starts going fucking wrong. There's a lot of violence in that film, oh. from what I remember. Oh yeah, I can't remember if it's a. I think it's a Coen Brothers. Maybe I was going to say, is that a Coen Brothers film? If, if it's not, it feels like one. Hey, the but Blood Simple is a movie that they is their that, film. That's a mistaken? similar one with Francis McDormand. It's an early Coen yeah. Brothers that's really good. Like the, the wife's fucking around on her husband. There's money involved. Yeah, I feel like I could have bridged that. I feel like there's a movie where Paxson was actually in with Denzel, maybe. And I'm trying to remember. I can't think off the top of my head. But another route would have been... Uh, Schwarzenegger was considered for Fallen. <laughs> yes, you could have taken that to True Lies and Bill Paxton. Those are the two no. that I thought of quickly. No, that's not a yeah. That's not a branch I would have went down. That's cheating. No, it's not. That you don't know. That's not valid. Nope. No, I'm with Steve. I agree with right. Steve. Whatever. Um, I guess before we get, we do have a Denzel devotional this evening, but before we get to that, um, I didn't think of one for a colloquial corner, but do either of you have a saying that's, I mean, we've been shitting on like new age Gen Z sayings that really grind. Yeah, but we're old men. That's what we do, right? Like get off my lawn. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like the word busting. You don't like, you know, I don't like busting. Have you covered that one? I don't like busting. I think it sounds stupid. Yeah, an episode or two ago when we had Miles on, he talked about like how, like trying out new slang, and he's like, "That was a good." Yeah, I heard him. Yeah, that was funny. Actually. He's like, "Yeah, I can't, I can't get away with bussing." Um, Miles is a funny dude, I, and I, I planned after that episode, I asked him, "I'm like, you got to come on a cut above, so we're scheduling something soon." Nice. Yeah, he's a good hang. Yeah, and he's he's pretty sharp. He's pretty quick witted. He's, he's he always gives good... me shit in the slack, like in a fun way, like. Yeah. Like, I know it's kind of mild to sort of knock me down a peg, but in a very funny way. <laughs> you bring us down a whole octave in a good way. <laughs> From Elf, Will Ferrell. Have you ever yeah, seen Elf with Will Ferrell? I've seen Elf. I'm just not that yeah, well versed. I have. Okay. Dude, I have kids. So All I remember yeah. from Elf is Santa, and he puts uh, yeah. uh, syrup on, on like yeah. spaghetti. On spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, and fucking M&M's. Call um, me, a, call me an elf one more time. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, does Steve know about that email? Yes, we briefly talked yeah. about it before this, but I was like, to be clear, 
this is the Hydroberg that's the in real life version. And I'm going to feel bad because he got a kick out of that email. And I kind of want to be like, oh, yeah, that was me. I told yeah. you to have a <laughs> diarrhea. It's, it's one of the hardest times I've ever laughed. I it know. Was a, I was, it was a good laugh. I almost wish I could own it, but I feel bad owning it because it wasn't me. So I just feel like. Although I did a wish, <laughs> I did wish diarrhea on you for a while there because I was like, I love the verbs. How dare he talk yeah. about the verbs? Your your hot but take I on the verbs. I couldn't use that because you just didn't grow up with the same films as us. Like, well, yeah. your your wish was granted because I had diarrhea a lot after that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, like you just didn't. I don't know. Like I feel like there's a gap between certain films that you just didn't see that like were building blocks for say me and Jim, right? And like, yeah. there's yeah. also a movie language that you build when you watch a lot of films where like there's certain things a film logic where you're just sort of like, yeah, I I don't look at everything as in a, in a realistic form. I'm like, oh, it's a movie, but like yeah. I can I, when I listen to podcasts, I hear your brain picking apart things. Where you're like, how does that happen? Like we're doing tonight with this film, and I'm like, <laughs> I kind of get where Steve's coming from because he only has like. 10 films that he's ever seen in his whole life. So right. I'm sort of like, yeah. I get it. Like, <laughs> no, nah, you've seen a lot more films than that. But. Yeah. I, there's something to be said for the nostalgia factor. I appreciate the consideration. Cause yeah, I, I don't have a, a wide variety <laughs> of exposure. So <laughs> I listened to a couple pod of this uh, episodes of this podcast at first. And I was like, this guy, Steve's killing me. Like, I just can't, I don't know if I can. And then I just, one day I was so behind on the podcast, I just put them all on while I was at work, and I listened to like twenty episodes. And I was like, "Yeah." I messaged G Baby. I was like, "Yo, I think I'm on. I, I think I've grown into a Steve fan. Like, I like Steve." Yeah. And there were a couple episodes where, like, you were doing the extensive research on episodes and the missing person stuff, and then you were talking about your card counting, and I was just like, "He's an interesting guy. Like, I gotta cut him some slack just because he hasn't seen like all the films that we, we love. Like, so what? Yeah, you definitely bring a a, a different analytical angle what what else i was going to say about the colloquial corner it's like it doesn't have to be something that we want to shit on either it could be something like fun or like one of your favorite phrases or like something new that you know it it doesn't have to be specifically negative but um we do have a denzel devotional this evening uh that i'll get into right meow and now it's time for our weekly denzel devotional that musical interlude is perfect for this movie that we just did too it is got the religious angle the in nomine pater (laughs) all right so let me get this set up here this is one actually that this isn't an actual um quote from the real life Denzel. This is a, uh, an excerpt from a movie called fences that he was in. Uh, but I, re- I really like this scene and, uh, I thought it'd be interesting to just discuss briefly. Uh, but without further ado, here's Denzel talking to his son in, I think it's 2017 or 2018 that this film came out fences. So here we go. Come you ain't never like me. Who the hell said I got to like you? What law is there say I got to like you? None. All right, then. Don't you eat every day? Yes, sir. Got a roof over your head. Yes, sir. Got clothes on your back. Yes, sir. Why you think that is? Because of you? <laughs> Hell, I know it's because of me. But why do you think that is? Because you like me. Like you. I go out of here every morning. I bust my butt 
putting up with them crackers every day. Because I like it. You're about the biggest fool I ever saw. It's my job. It's my responsibility. A man is supposed to take care of his family. You live in my house. Fill your belly with my food. Put you behind on my bed because you're my son. Because I like you. Because it's my duty to take care of you. I owe a responsibility to you. Now let's get this straight right here now before I go along any further. I ain't got to like you. Mr. Rand don't give me my money. Come pay it because he like me. He give it to me because he owe me. Now I don't give you everything I got to give you. I give you your life. Now don't you go through life worrying about whether somebody like you or not. You best be making sure they're doing right by you. You understand what I'm saying? Then get the hell out of my face and get on down to that A&B. Bang. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, he hates his son in that movie is what you're saying. No, he doesn't hate him. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking saying. No, nah, that's a funny <laughs> scene. So good. I dig it because it's like it's it's a tough it's tough love yeah and I'm, I'm like I get tough love like I don't know some people tough love doesn't work on certain people but like I don't know sometimes it helps when you're down and out and like the tough love just kind of sometimes you got to smack people out of it like hey get out get out there and fucking like life beats you down sometimes but I I love the the whole the, it culminates at the end like the whole de- the delivery and all that is awesome but the end when he's like like it's not about people liking you are they doing right by you like that and he's talking about the perfect example like he owns like you know some properties he's like this motherfucker doesn't pay me because he likes me it's because he Mm -hmm. owes me you know it's like you know that that sense of responsibility and he's i think that's i mean there's something to be said in that film he's a he's kind of a piece of shit dad but he does instill some things that are going to be valuable to that kid later down the road. And that's one of them to me is just like, if you go out trying to make everyone like you and be happy, you know, it's like, that's not going to serve you in the long run. You want to make sure that they're doing right by you. Like what he says, it's like, that's what you want. It's like, and then if you want to build beyond that and be friendly with people and, you know, like try to curry favor and, you know, that's a different animal, but you got to start like the foundation to me. Like it just, I was like, damn. Yeah. And like, also if you just go through life trying to make everybody like you, like you're not, you're not being yourself. Like, right. Yeah. Are you going to change and bend your will to like what this person wants or that person wants? Then it's like, then you're losing yourself in that process. You know, inquiring minds would like to know Steve thoughts. I just kind of want to see Hydra's dog again. <laughs> this is my dog. It's my dog. <laughs> That's my dog. He looks like my a dog. look. Looks like a real good boy. What is what's yeah, the com- what's good. the combo again? Because I remember you, every time you tell me, I'm like, dude, that's such a fucking he's a cool shepherd mix. husky Saint Bernard. He's got Ew. paws. He's got these huge fucking paws, <laughs> and he's got the coat of like a. Shepherd husky, and he sheds like a fucking shepherd. Oh, he looks. Yeah. Like- <laughs> you know, huskies are sort of like attention whores. He's sort of that way too. Like I'm right now, I wasn't paying. He's growling at me because I'm not paying enough attention to him. How old is he? He's uh eight, and he he's like just never. It's none of it's never enough. I pet his head. That's not enough. He bites my <laughs> my hand, and I'm like, well, where do you want my hand to be? You want me to rub your belly? I rub his belly. Then he rolls over. 
then he won't get like in a good position. And then next thing you know, he walks, he'll get off the couch and go away. And I'm like, I guess I didn't scratch your belly enough. <laughs> and then he'll come back. He's yeah. He's like a young teenager. That's, That's like, like a, the three, like most badass like breeds you can like picture rolled yeah. into one. Capped yeah, he, off with St. Bernard. Looks like a good boy. I got him at a real good time in my life where I kind of needed a companion. So, yeah, he's been he's been a good boy for me. <laughs> I remember you just post someone else. Someone else comment. I think Jacqueline maybe commented on it, but you posted something uh, when you took a picture of, of your breakfast, one of your baller breakfasts, and you just see a snout and Max's yeah, nose yeah. out the top corner of the picture. Like he's just sitting there. Like I got dibs on anything you don't want. He doesn't. Yeah, see, I don't feed him. I don't feed him table scraps. I don't like him begging. I hate that. Yeah, I know people. Some people love to spoil their their dogs, and I get it. That's fine. But for me, just I, I don't like the begging. So if I ever do give them treats, I like I you know, because they're all about the the way their their brain works. It's like they have these memories and they build off of that, right? So like if you give him off that one plate or whatever that you eat off of, then he sees you eating on that plate and he always thinks he's getting fed from that. Yeah, they're going to expect it. If you take that same food and put it in his dish later when he's not looking, then he doesn't have that that memory to go off of. Dude, my grandpa was a hard ass in a lot of different ways. And with it, it trickled down to, to like his pets and his dogs, but he was the biggest fucking softy when it came to food and like spoiling his dogs. Dude, he fed them off the plenty plate. of hard men are super like soft when it comes to their dogs, man. Dude, he would bitch and moan about it licking or biting or nipping or whatever, but best believe anytime at the dinner, like he would eat his dinner in his recliner and he's throwing chunks of like steak and fucking, you know, yeah. little bit little bit of a side you know like yeah those his dogs always ate super well when we do my a cut above I, I put him in the in my bedroom with his bone you know just so he doesn't distract me because he makes a lot of noise sometimes and like but i know this is like sort of a laid more of a laid back podcast so i was like i'll just leave him out if he makes a little bit of noise it's no big deal oh yeah yeah he's been he's been a perfect gentleman yeah, this eve you know what it is when i do the other podcast i gotta do like i do my fucking reach arounds and i gotta nail those and I get like nervous about them, so I'm like, oh, you yeah. gotta go in the other room. Yeah, because if I he just shakes and shakes his collar, I start looking at him, and I get distracted from what I'm reading. <laughs> yeah, for sure, I could see that being like just wanting to have everything dialed. And for some clarity too, because I don't think Steve doesn't listen to your guys' podcast, but um, Hydroberg here, he does. He's a like a wordsmith when it comes to, and it happened kind of organically, which I like too. Like it just happened off the cuff. They came up with like a segment and it was because you guys were talking about an anthology and like how anthologies have a wraparound segment. Like when we covered VHS two with ghoulish, like the, the through line story that wraps yeah, everything together, that, like, like, the small stories together. Yeah, yeah, they call it a wraparound. When he he had a, a yeah, he had a slip of the tongue and called it a reach around. <laughs> so that that was fun. But then ever and since then, my then, segment he, on the show was just to do like the synopsis. Like John, my co-host, was like, "I want you to do the synopsis and just kind of do it in your own kind of style." So I was just sort of writing them, you know, just in my own style, like just normal. And then yeah, uh, I ended up doing one that was like half like a rhyme a little bit, and like it got a pretty good. I don't know, like uh, John and Jacqueline got a good laugh out of it. And then next thing you know, I just started trying to make them all rhyme. 
and now I just do like each each week I do a synopsis for the film we're doing and I make it like a poem. Yeah, it's like a quick like rap fucking stanza of like synopsizing the like movie slam poetry and like, or something I guess if you want to Yeah. Like a 30, 30 second to minute blurb and they're honestly like no no bullshit or blowing smoke. They're they're fucking awesome every time they deliver. They they kill. I'm proud time. of them. There's some there's some weeks that I literally want to just be like I don't want to do one this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like I I mean to a much lesser degree I've been doing the, I don't know why I started it. I started doing these like intros for waxing the porpoise after the fact. And I love your intros by the way. Thank you. Yeah. They're they're awesome. It. Honestly, I don't know where it started from. I, I think it's because every once in a while I listen to this other podcast called Necronomapod, and they kind of they started out with they do a little intro blurb, and it's it's pretty funny. They sprinkle in like little fucking just anecdote, like little little funny things. I was like, ah, oh, that maybe instead of just going into like, hey, welcome to the show, here we go, it'd be cool to like put a little quick intro on the front of it. And no, yeah, I some of them I'm like. Like the first couple, I was like really thinking and putting a lot of time into it, and since then it's kind of flowed and become easier. And I could tell yeah, that too with on some of the things that the episode touches on. Yeah, you're and I try to sprinkle in like, here's stuff. what you can expect, like the bullshit yeah. banter that we're going to get into throughout. And you it's, do it in your stone, your own sort of dialect that the only Jim G baby could fucking. <laughs> yeah, and. The same thing with you, like to a much higher degree, uh, the reach arounds are similar to that. And like, honestly, like the, uh, like I hate to point out the two that I was on, but I really like those a lot, but I think my favorite in like the last few episodes is the one for Nope was fucking super dope. Yeah. I was like, that was, that was a mic drop moment. I was like, dude, that was fucking sick. I, I like doing them. The, the fans have really like, I don't know, really, they really dig them and I like doing them. Don't get me wrong, and they don't take like that long. Uh, I just kind of getting down like the cadence is what takes the longest to me. It's just like if I if I get if I if I wait too long to to write it, then I don't have enough time to sort of say it out loud enough, right? So I can kind of figure out exactly how it should be delivered, um, and then I you know I might not nail it right on the show, but. Um, Hydra's being modest. They're all they're all bangers, and I'm on I'm on team. You should make a coffee table book of all of and like cool compile like i'd even i would even be down to assist like like doing the the captioning and go like the court stenographer and going back I and want typing the done by g baby i'm down i'm there but yeah so check for sure like that's like i like how it happened organically too that's like a lot of times in life like the shit that you don't plan for and that just fucking happens is is part of the it's like it's not the a to b it's the fucking journey in between you know like that's part of it and that's like we've had some fun like our funnest moments have come out of us just bullshitting and talking and not planning for stuff because i've tried to plan for as much as i can but i i like that fact that it just kind of sprung out and that it, it's become this like hallmark of your guys's show which i really enjoy so thank you yeah definitely check out uh a cut above horror review. They're fucking awesome and friends of the show and they support us. Uh, and it goes both ways. So, um, I really appreciate you coming on to Hydra. Um, 
I was going to ask you if you wanted, I wasn't going to be like, Hey, do a reach around for this one. But I was going to ask you if you wanted to do one. And we talked right before this. And it's like, ah, I didn't make it. I was like, Hey, don't fucking worry about it. I wasn't expecting that. I thought I was going to try and write one for this, but I just had a busy week with the, with no, Thanksgiving and stuff. And totally. Yeah. This, this week, I, especially right, so I'll be honest. Like I, I was playing a lot of God of war recently and I just have a chance to, like I watched the film the other day, I did my notes, and I was like, "All right, that's good." And then I was like, "Oh shit, I didn't write a reach round." No, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. totally cool. If if you wanted to on on subsequent episodes, it'd be dope. But definitely, uh, yeah, not, I would love to actually required. do one. Let me, maybe I maybe I can. Maybe it's I can because you're good at one it. for this movie, and I'll and I'll text it in or something as a call in. Yeah, we can always work it out on the back end if if you if you were so inclined, but. Um, one last piece of a quick housekeeping too, because I don't want to. Uh, sometimes we, we we record on like a Saturday. We don't release till Thursday, so sometimes we catch stuff in the backwash. But we did get a new review on Apple Podcasts, a short and sweet one. I wanted to give a shout out to. We got B Money with three Y's and a dollar sign. I mean, how can you not? They left us a five star, uh, ten out of ten. Waxing the porpoise, everything about movies, best podcast ever. I don't think so, but thank you. Uh, and thank you for listening. <laughs> Be money, dollar sign. We appreciate you, and thanks for listening. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. But unless you guys have anything else you guys want to talk about, I think we're going we're gonna to wrap this one up. Nope, I'm good. Not really, man. Uh, just uh, my podcast is a cut above for our review. You can find us on all the uh, Spotify's, iTunes, Amazon Music's, uh, Instagram at a cut above, uh, one word, dot horror underscore review. Twitter, Cut Above Horror, and Facebook at a Cut Above Colin Horror Review. Boom. Yeah, I was just going to lead into that. Um, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't just plug us. Yeah, totally. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on uh, previous episodes, too. You guys, you, Jacqueline, and John all have, like, I, like I've said it before, like, even out of the gate, I think it helps, too, with John's kind of, like, guiding you guys because he's got, like, a, a voice for radio, and he's, he has that experience. And then you have your movie knowledge mixed with, like, Jacqueline's got, like, a background, like, in English, and she's got, like, a like a, her, her analytical side to breaking things down. You just – you guys have the secret sauce going. Without so. Jacqueline, it would just be two dumb white guys talking about <laughs> Yeah, and Lord knows we need more bearded so white motherfuckers talking about movies. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Neckbeard Podcast. Yeah. With John and Hydroberg. No, but no. Again, he's being modest. Check out a cut above uh horror review. They're they're awesome. Um Steve, I also don't know if you're aware, but uh I've talked to Jim Baby about having you guys I want you both to come on the show soon. So Oh yeah, what was that? I'm down. Can I spoil it? Can I talk about it? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was a certain film. I thought I wanted to have G Baby on, and I thought um, after this episode, we should have you on with him. Yeah, okay. I won't. I won't spoil it. Yeah, I, you can spoil it. I don't care. Oh, okay. We were talking. Have you ever? I, I assumed, and I think I'm he right. He hasn't but, seen the film, bro. You always do this. You're like, have you seen this movie? <laughs> well, I just want, yeah, and I know he's gonna fucking bait me too. Maybe. Like, oh yeah, I've it. seen it. No, I haven't seen it. Um, Identity with I Ray Liotta. I have seen it. You have? Oh seen wow! It? I actually okay. saw it in well, theaters. Oh, Whoa, nice! So did I. Damn. But what was that like? So there's no requirement of having seen it or having not seen it in order to come on my show. You know, was it like 2002 or something? It was yeah, a it was long early. time ago. Yeah, yeah. So you were a young buck when you saw that, probably, because you're a couple years younger than I. 
I think. So, yeah, you're probably like 15 ish. You guys are, yeah, that that sounds that sounds about right. Smuggling some (laughs) some mad dog into the theater. I can't remember what date where I was talking to you about scheduling it for, but whatever date it is, yeah, I want you guys to come on for it. Yeah, dude, I totally forgot because I've just been so busy with crap, but um. Yeah, that's one another a joint session. If you guys want to have us on, we oh, it's uh, in January. Okay, perfect. I'm down for sure. Cool, awesome. Alrighty, so I think that's gonna do it uh, for us this week. That was Fallen from 1988, 1998. Excuse me, dude. 19, <laughs> 1988's on the brain because we've had, we've had a streak of like 1988 <laughs> films that that were fucking bangers. Um, but yeah, if, if anybody has anything uh, they want to talk about in general, or if you have thoughts about uh, Fallen, you can reach out to us. Our email is wax at waxingtheporpoise.com, or you can find us on our socials. Uh, Instagram is waxingtheporpoise, and Twitter is at waxingtheporp. Thank you very much again, Hydra, for coming on from a cut above. We really appreciate you making the time, and I, I really had a lot of fun talking about Fallen with you. So Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So thanks guys for joining us. We'll see you when we see you and we'll see you later. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.